Under the perpetual twilight sky, we find the desert, the border that circles and divide the layers of our world. In this strange and quiet place, we find a great fig tree on a small ridge, and standing beneath it, our wandering soul, Ernest Marsh, and his new acquaintance, Winston Wither. <laughs> it's how long you boys been out there? Long time? Short time? Big time. Big time. Carrion, sort of. There's turn. no short time in the desert, Carrie. We both know this. There is no short time in the desert. <laughs> there really is no time in the desert. Well, yeah, you know, that's just a, a, a complication to the whole business. Yeah, really makes telling time and, yeah, working out when you're going to do something quite difficult. Could you could you see to that for me, Carrie? I won't be here for long. It's fine. It's just a bit annoying. I don't like it. I do like it. It's there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't make Chutney here. Carrion seems very amused by Winston, but he doesn't speak a lot because he doesn't know what to say. <laughs> he nods and goes, Do you think you'll be with us for long? Winston shrugs and then turns back to Ernest as is, So, uh, Boyo, what are you doing here? Carrion kind of leans into Winston and says quietly, Ernest can hear him because, you know, He's a giant bird man. He's not that quiet. Yeah. He says, Ernest came here by accident. He's not quite like you. I didn't bring him. And he wants to go home. By by accident? How's that? Carrie. How's that that happen here? Nothing? I thought you were in control of all this type of stuff. Well, some things are outside of my control. Hmm. Not everything in the desert is my domain to control, and what brought Ernest here was not of my creation. Yeah. Complicated, complicated. Alrighty. Now, Ernest, I brought Winston here because Winston had given himself up. Winston had considered himself a lost thing, and I had been interested in him for some time. Uh, although, as I discovered later, this brought him some distress to know that I watched him. But when I got the chance, I scooped him up. Now he's here. So you condemned him to be here with us? Because nothing can go back. You. This is true, but Winston had decided that his time was over. Bear that and be killed by Gil. (laughs) I suppose. And perhaps it was overstepping my position, but I felt that Winston would be better here than elsewhere. Wait. Gil. Hold Hold on a second. You're you're Gertrude's dad, aren't you? Yeah? Wait, so... You're the you're the one that the Alistair told me about. You were you were there. You like poked him in the eyes or something, and then you you helped you helped him get Wilbur out of out of the whole Children of the Tide camp. Winston is nodding emphatically. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I am Gertrude's father. Yes, I did poke Alistair in the eyes. Yes, I was a hero and got them out of there. Yes, I also nearly died there. Yes, I am Winston. I am the Winston. Good to see you. Good to meet you. 
Now, Winston. Yes. I think it would be good for you to spend a little time with Ernest. And Ernest, I think it would be good for you to spend a little time with Winston. I have things I need to attend to, but I will be back. Ernest, I know that you want to go back to your world, but that is beyond my power to grant. I can bring lost things here, and I care for what is already here, but I cannot take anything back. However, there is someone that I can speak to about that. Perhaps something can be arranged. Perhaps an exception can be made for you. But I will need to speak to others. So in the meantime, please stay here with Winston. I think you will enjoy it. Uh, uh, he looks at Winston. Uh, okay. Winston like throws an arm around Ernest's shoulder and starts leading him in. He's like, now... Ernest, what's your opinion on Chatneys? I believe on a spiritual level, as he's throwing the door open and heading inside. Yes, Ernest is like looking desperately back over his shoulder at Carrion, who is turning and walking back out into the desert. Now time passes. You sleep, but Winston seems to not care for sleeping. Uh, Whenever you sleep, he is awake. And whenever you wake up, he is still there. Um... He spends a lot of his time caring for the tree in whatever way he can. He draws in the sand. He builds small structures out of stones and knocks them down. And in the long period of time you spend with Winston, he tells you about something he has figured out. He's figured out that he was never mad, that he was never unhinged in any way, although people always seem to assume that he was. What he realised was that he was just feeling the corners of something that he couldn't see, that no one else could see. Uh, Winston turns around to Ernest, who is sitting underneath the shade of the tree as Winston builds a sandcastle near the tree. And Winston says to Ernest, The thing I've worked out, young man, is that if... Carrion's always, you know, he's very aloof. It's very difficult to get any type of actual answer out of him. But I've worked out there is so much more out there this is, this is the cusp of so much more beyond. And, and now I'm here, I can't just... I mean, this is lovely, I love the tree and all that, but I can't just stay here. There's so much beyond. There's so much further ahead up the road. I've got to see that. I've got to go to that. It's... It's hard because... I miss Gertie so much, but I can't... In a way, maybe dying would have been better for her, because then she would have had that, and I wouldn't need to. Everything could just be quiet. But but I'm here, and there's just so much more ahead. So I won't continue. Further up and further in. It's going to be great. Ernest Marsh would go on to spend many, many months with Winston, helping him build things, destroy things, draw things, and constantly talking. When he wasn't with Winston, he would be walking around the desert, walking miles and miles at a time, till the tree was nothing but a speck, laying down, resting, and then walking back. He made several journeys to Dr. Pike to try and talk with her a little more 
and sometimes he would just sit outside the cave and listen to her speak, just to hear a different voice, despite the fact that she would never recognize him or acknowledge him. He made several journeys to look at the other lost things that were roaming around in the desert, the things made of smoke. He never wanted to get too close and they never wanted him to get too close, but he did watch them every now and again. And after several months of building up to it, he made one journey to the creature that Carrion had showed him in the sand. The behemoth monster made up of different body parts. He crept towards it and sat with it for some time and eventually built up the courage to touch it. And using his power that he still didn't fully understand, he was able to connect with it and saw so many things. He saw snapshots of so many different people's lives. He felt unbelievable agony. And he saw events he didn't fully understand. He saw a dark lake, a glowing red eye. He saw gloomy corridors lit in scarlet. He saw a great cracked window and before it, a mysterious light that he just didn't want to look at. And he saw a spire. And at the top of it, that light again. And he saw his prey at the top. I'm sorry, Orlando. Don't you see, kid? I am everywhere. I will show you fear in a handful of dust. For the crimes committed on this day, Alka, the jester king of Ilios, you stand condemned. Ernest finally pulled his hand away and couldn't bring himself to go back. He had seen so much. He had seen too much. He knew. He returned to the tree. On one of his many conversations with Winston, as they were constructing a new floor of their little hut, Winston leant back looking up at the sky and spoke out, as he often did in ways that Ernest didn't fully understand, saying, ah, You know, I think I read something somewhere. Or maybe it was in a movie. Or maybe it was a... Maybe a parrot said it. I don't know. It said something along the lines of... Uh, A man's heart, now sorry for the gendered specific part, uh, the heart of a person is a stony ground. You grow what you can and you tend to it. But sometimes the thing you were growing dies and in its place grows up weeds and in desperation you tend to the weeds in the hope that they will replace what you planted. When in reality, you gotta, you gotta grab them and pull them up by the root because the weeds don't do anything for you. There ain't, he rubs his nose. There isn't anything good that we, at least I don't think the weeds can do anything good for you. There might be something herbal, I don't know. Eh, thoughts with Winston. Ernest watched Winston as he looked up into the, the sky and he smiled 
shrugged a little bit and said, I think that's from Pet Cemetery. Pet? Pet what? That's not a parrot. time Carrion returns he is exactly the same unchanged but over the time that you've been walking with him and the time you've spent with Winston Ernest your beard has grown even longer it's grown uh, down past your neck it now touches uh, the top of your chest your hair has grown out too um, it kind of folds over your shoulders and you often have to keep it tied back to see whatever you're doing you've gotten into a rhythm now you spend time with Winston in the morning, in the evening you walk, although there is no evening and morning, but it helps you to call them these things. During his walks, Ernest spends most of the time staring at the shadow before him, remembering the events that happened and then looking at the shadow, remembering the shapes and remembering the emotions and starting to work out that the shadow is a much more dramatized version of what happened. What happened was horrific and terrible, but everything's been stretched out. The monsters are bigger, the trees are darker, the fires are larger, the children are more than they were. Everything in his emotions has exceeded the reality of what he saw. And this doesn't reduce the impact of it, but he's starting to notice that left unchecked, the things that happened to him can grow to more than he can ever comprehend. And in that way, no longer become memories, but become nightmares and a haunting shadow that follows him that he can't comprehend because they've grown so out of his own ability to understand. And he's trying to re-put those memories into the realism of what they actually are. And he remembers now that his brother didn't kill a second one of the Wendigos. He only killed one. He remembers that the boys only sent off one firework. He's starting to recall these things that didn't work with the nightmare. When Carrion returns, he walks in from the desert and he explains to Ernest that he has been to see someone called the Gatekeeper. Now I have been speaking to the Gatekeeper and he is sympathetic to your plight. We agree that while you were lost for a time, you are not a lost thing and you don't belong here. Now, Winston has been given permission to leave the desert, to continue on, to go further up and further in, as he says. You could join him, you could go further on. But the gatekeeper feels that you need to be given a chance to go back. But the choice is not ours alone. Someone else must take your place in the desert. And I think I know who might be willing. But first, Ernest, how do you feel about yourself? Ernest sits in one of the rickety wooden chairs that Winston has made 
inside this little house and looks at Carrion, who is basically on his knees to fit inside this little ramshackle building. He fills the room. Yeah. I don't... I wasn't in a good place before. And that's not saying I'm in a better place now, but when I was at home, I... I considered myself to be forfeit. I... And he kind of runs his hand through his beard and looks up at Karen again. I... I think I lost sight of what my brother did for me. He gave me responsibility, but... He was also trying to save me, and doing what I was doing, I was throwing all that away. Because I thought that would... For some... I, I thought he was angry at me, that I had failed. But, I mean, there's not much more I could really do, I think. I think I did just about everything someone like me can do in these situations. At least with all the stuff with the children of the tide or whatever. I thought he would be disappointed so I had to do everything within my power but that would go against everything he was trying to do for me so mm -hmm. I think I'm in a better place than I was. Whether that's a good place or a bad place I don't know but it's definitely a different place. And how do you feel about the people who blamed him? The people who said that there were no monsters? The people who graffitied his grave? You... You can't blame the people. It's almost like he's trying to recite it to himself to convince himself of it. It's like, you can't blame people for being scared and wanting... An answer that makes a lot of sense. They needed someone to show them the truth, someone to keep them on track, someone to tell them and prove to them the reality of the situation. And I couldn't do that. That's not anything I could have done then, and I probably couldn't have done it when I was in the archipelago either. They needed a, a keeper, a Someone with authority, someone trustworthy, someone. I can't blame them. It takes time to forgive. But at least you recognize that they weren't trying to be malicious. Not to say that what they did was excusable. It was the wrong thing to do. It was the dishonest thing to do but you can choose to forgive them anyway. But what about your parents? Uh, I don't know. I was the cross they had to bear after everything that happened. And I don't think they did a great job of handling it. But 
I don't know how I would handle that as a parent. How do you handle a town turning against you? And then you have sitting next to you at the dinner table the reminder of all that. But do you think they love you? Yes. It just took a while. That's good. Now, only one more question. How do you feel about your brother? I don't... I don't love him, of course. I don't love him because of what he did or the fact that no one else was going to. That wasn't... That's not the right way to think about it. I... I love him because he's my brother. And I think... I think I forgot that. That that's who he was. That's all he was. He wasn't a... A hero in shining armour. He wasn't... A saviour. He was my brother. And... He did what he could, but he... Could do all that my brother could do. And that's not on him, that's not on me, that's just my brother. And Ernest looks over to his brother's jacket that he's not wearing, but is sitting on the extra bed that Winston built for him. And Ernest looks at Carrion again and says, He's not a legacy. He's not a cross I have to bear. As Carrion leads you out of uh, Winston's little hut, he gathers up Winston too and he says I think it's time we visit your friend Winston I'm sure she'll be very glad to see Ernest yeah she's a weird one but you know she's a dial let's go you head out into the desert the three of you and you trek for um, not a great deal of time it takes a while but you don't have to sleep anywhere in the journey Ernest so it cannot be that far or that long and again, you see one of these rock formations. Uh, this one is more like a low mountain. And as you approach, you can see that there are, again, uh, cave networks here and there. And you come to a place where there is a wide, large cave mouth that descends deep into the ground. This is not like Dr. Pike's makeshift laboratory where it was really sort of a, a very shallow cave. This is a deep long, dark, dry cave. Now we wait here. She comes and goes, and really there is no knowing when she will be back, but we can wait as long as it takes. Uh, yep, okay. It's fine by me. And he's going to look down. What does his shadow look like now? His shadow is uh, less contorted than it was before. It still seems... 
shifting and strange. It still seems to want to change shape, but it is no longer replaying the scenarios that it used to. It still seems uneasy, uncertain, but it is changing. As you sit on the dry ground and wait, you talk with Winston, you talk about his daughter, Gertrude. Uh, You talk about his wife and his old life. You talk about the things that you miss about the archipelago and you tell him about your brother. You tell him more than you have told him in the last few months, years even. It's hard to tell. But you talk together because there is a sense, and whether it's coming from you or from Winston, it's hard to tell, but a sense that this is the beginning of an end of sorts. And Carrion keeps watching the cave and at one point he holds up his hand and he says she's here and there is a scrabbling sound from deep down in the cave as something moves you wait earnest with bated breath trying to imagine what could possibly be in this cave who could be glad to see you and what all this means about a substitute, about a changing of places. As a figure begins to emerge from the deep shadows, you see that they are small, they are very thin, and their skin is mottled, a green, grey, unpleasant colour. They are humanoid, but almost like a child, and as they fully emerge into the light, you recognise the wide, gleaming smile and the eyes of Cheshire, the changeling. It's good to see you, Ernest. What? I know, it's me. What? Give us a hug. And this weird little goblin creature comes in to hug you. Ernest, like, hugs her, picks her up, and, like, squeezes her. How are you... Why are you here? What? And he's going to What? And he's going to look up at Winston. How do you know her? She, she's a hermit. She never leaves a cave. Well, and looks back at her. Why are you here? Uh, she's like squished in your arms. And she goes, why do you have a beard? Oh, put me down, put me down, put me down. And <laughs> puts it down. And it's like, it's, it's not my choice. It's- it doesn't suit you. No, this doesn't look right. Hmm. The hair's kind of nice. I kind of see the hair. Although you need to do something with it. Is that a stick in your hair? It reaches up and plucks out this little branch, flicks it away. It's like, no? Hmm, okay. Well, to answer your question, why am I here? uh, I will pose you a different question. Why are you in my dream? I'm, I'm not in your dream. I'm in basically purgatory slash... Walking hell. And he mm. like holds up his foot and shows out the the soles of his shoes are completely gone. It's just the fly of his feet, surrounded by like converse, basically. <laughs> it's like <laughs> she she puts a, a finger on her chin and goes, "Hmm. Well, that does explain a lot of things, and that about gels with what Winston has told me. But no, I am dreaming. This is a dream for me." This is where I come when I dream. It's been like this for as long as I can remember. But, I mean, I'm, I'm here. This is, this is what happened when, 
the, the, the cube went off, I got brought here with Dr. Pike. Hmm. Uh, Cheshire sits down in the sand and Big Bird sits uh, with her. Bird. <laughs> uh, Carrion sits with her. Winston sits too. And together you sort of form a small circle and Cheshire begins to explain. Nancy did tell me what happened. It was a little while uh, after your last package. She came down into the cave. She brought a package for me. Um, It was a little awkward at first, considering I stole her face and, and pretended to be her and tried to kill her, but she was a real. She was a good, a good sport about it, I suppose. Um, but she told me that you were gone. She told me that something happened and you were. She didn't say killed, but the implication was killed. I mean, when you say gone in that kind of tone and you look off into the middle distance and there's a long pause, the implication is dead. And she said that um, your friend, the one that you you told me about, that he was gone too. He left. Um, what? So well, I never expected to see you again. Wait, so how long is it? Because here it's not really, not really days. I've tried to count days, but it's hard to know how long has it been. Hmm. Well, it's kind of hard to count days when you live in a cave in the dark as well. Yeah, that's true. I didn't, I didn't think about. But it. Nancy's brought me quite a few packages. Is it the same like regulation that I would bring them? Like same amount of time between each. Oh, probably. I would say it's similar. And I brought one, like a big one, once a month. Maybe 20, maybe 30? It's hard to keep track, to be honest. But she writes me letters, and she comes to visit when she can. But So if she's bringing them the same amount of time, that's two years. Give or take, I suppose. You've been in my dream for two years and I haven't seen you. I've been walking. Mm, hence the shoes. Yes, yes. Uh, Carrion goes on to explain. He says, You see, Cheshire is another outlier. Similar to you in one way and different to you in another she is not a lost thing exactly. She is not here like that, but she comes here of her own accord. And she has for a very long time. I have never quite known what to make of that. But she seems to be happy enough to come and go. Now I suspect that she found a way here through her mind. She said that she lives in a cave in your world and has done for a very long time. Hmm. Perhaps there is a crossing place of sorts, whether in the mind or in the body. It's hard to know. But this is what I propose, and this is what the gatekeeper agreed to. Ernest, we could send you back, but someone would have to take your place. And in this instance... The only person who could would be Cheshire. She would have to 
move here permanently, no longer in dreams, but in actuality, in full. Right. Now, you might be changed by going back. You would not be the same as when you came here. Not in form or in soul, but it would be you and you would be back. Cheshire, how do you feel? Cheshire kind of studies the ground for a little while and kind of draws absentmindedly in the sand with her finger. Did I tell you um, uh, Nancy asked me to leave my cave? I mean, there was a, a few conditions about that no one would go missing and I would have to uh, look like someone all the time so I didn't scare people. But she thought it might be good for me to, to leave the cave. Mm, and I'm tempted, but I don't think it's right for me to leave. I don't know if I want to be part of that world anymore. I don't know if I can go back. But I've been coming here in my dreams for... I don't know how long. A very long time, and... Maybe it wouldn't be so bad to be here. To not to live in a cave anymore, but to... Explore. To leave. Ernest, do you really want to go back? It's not going to be how you left it. It's, it's, not, it's not really about that you're giving up the chance to to do anything you could you might not want to now but you could decide you want to 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 go out and explore that world and I suppose but I would be passing up the opportunity to go out and explore this world and if Winston's right whatever lies beyond this world Winston kind of reclines back and speaks up into the sky further up and further in further up and further in no one wants me back in our world Nancy is very nice and I think she cares but there's no life for me to have there I could make one maybe but it would be hard and I don't know if I want that kind of a life it isn't hard to be here and I've been in that cave for a very very long time so if you want to go back I'll go forwards we can swap Nurse is going to stand up and Look up at the sky, the the half blue, half starry sky of twilight, and is then going to look down at his shadow as it continues to morph but begins to slow as he makes up his mind. And the shadow stops morphing. And he is locked in place as his own. And he watches as it slowly begins to rotate around him till it is facing behind him. And he's going to look up at Carrion, look to, work to Winston, who he spent months of time with, maybe even a year with. 
then looks at Cheshire, smiles, and then finally once again looks at, Ch- at Carrion and says, I've lived so much of my life being angry and being afraid and trying to build someone else's legacy as a favor to them, out of love to them. That's not something I can go back to. That's not something I want to go back to. But something I can go back to is to be something more than myself. And if I'm going to do this, and he looks at Cheshire, it's not just about me anymore, it's about making both of us proud of what we achieved. People need someone to guide them. They need a lantern in the dark. And I can be that. And he's going to look down the cave. Ernest, I think it's time. Carrion steps forward. He reaches down to the ground where your shadow is. And he takes his claws and he runs them through the sand, through the shadow. And as he does so, the shadow separates from you and flits and it's gone. And as you look down, you have no shadow at all now. Ernest, there is a time for everything. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to kill and a time to heal time to plant and a time to uproot there's a time to keep and a time to throw away there's time for war and there's time for peace now it's time for you to go home nurse is going to to look around the small little group that he's spent so much time with and is going to hug Winston and is going to say to him is there anything you want me to say back home ah that's a doozy that's a bit give me some time on that one I've I've gotten used to spending a lot of time thinking on things uh uh let Gertie know that her old man wasn't wrong he loves her very much He'd do anything to be with her, but because he can't, further up and further in. Um, okay, I, I can try and make her understand that a little bit. All right. He's going to let go of Winston, pat him on the shoulder, and is then going to turn to Cheshire. Are you, are you sure about this? She looks down at her feet and you realise how small they are in comparison. She still seems like a child. Her body is still very small. And she scrunches her toes in the sand. 
like Big Bird said, I think the time to be in the cave is over. And I'm okay with that. But um, tell Nancy thank you for being kind and for trying. Not many people have. And you are one of them, so thank you. And who knows, maybe you will dream of me. Like, um, like the big feather guy says, maybe, well, you're going to change when you go back. I guess I'll change when I come here fully. Yeah. Well, don't kill Winston. He's very annoying, but yeah, he's lovely. Mm, we'll see. You two are going to be partners in crime. Winston's going to give two thumbs up. Yeah, I love people. <laughs> uh, Cheshire gives you a hug. She kind of around the waist. Thank you, Ernest. Thank you for trying and thank you for being kind when you didn't have to be kind and for forgiving when you didn't have to forgive. Ernest hugs her back. As she releases you from the hug, she looks up and says, By the way, I told them to expect you. I know you weren't sure, but I was pretty sure. And when she lets go, he's going to turn to the cave and is going to whisper to himself, A time to hide and a time to seek. Carrion puts an arm around you. He kind of folds you into his feathers. He says, Okay. Mm -hmm. Time to go. For a moment, you glance back over your shoulder at the desert with its amber sands and its sunset sky. And you can see in the distance a ridge. And for a moment, you see a flash of dark movement, a tiny figure in the dark. You raise your arm in farewell. And you can see mirrored, it raises its arm too. Your shadow is still there somewhere off in the desert. But you're no longer tied to it and it's no longer tied to you. Then Carrion enfolds you and together you step into the dark of the cave. feet are on solid ground, on damp stones. In the total darkness, you feel the ripple of smooth feathers over your skin, across your face, and then they are gone. You hear the pitter-patter of rain, a sound you haven't heard in so long, and the gentle echo of dripping water. You run your hands over smooth stone as you walk upwards it takes time and it's difficult but you make your way 
towards a pinprick of light in the distance. And as you emerge, you recognize where you are. You are emerging from one of the tunnels in Hon Caves. You step out into the white winter's light of the entrance chamber, with its circular hole far above you, a gentle rain pouring in. As you step out into that rain, you feel it on your skin for the first time in years. Your hair is still long, your beard is still long, you are still wearing tattered rags. The soles of your feet step into small puddles, and for the first time you feel thirsty, you feel starving. For the first time in a long while, you feel properly alive. Ernest, as you stand in the rain falling through this hole, you bring your face up and feel the droplets fall on your forehead, on your nose, on your closed eyelids. You open your mouth and feel them drop in. And then you hear a voice, so welcome and familiar, but tinged with disbelief and anxiety. Ernest! Ernest, is it really... Oh, I can't believe it. Calling from above you, you can see a face. You can see a very happy, familiar, ecstatic face peering down. And then beside her, another face. You can see Bernie, you can see Nancy. Ernest looks up and sees the two of them. He smiles and his lips kind of crack with how dehydrated he is. He smiles up at them and says... Did I keep you long? there dear listeners my name is winston wither and i'm here to talk to you about the dark tides patreon now if you haven't heard about the dark tides patreon i don't understand how that's even possible all right a parrot told me about it. like i'm sure you've got better ways to hear about things than from a parrot anyway as i was saying the dark tides patreon is the best place all right the best place that's what this sheet here says to find dark tides themed things I don't know what it means by dark ties, but it doesn't matter. You get post shows where they talk, the voice actors talk about stuff within the show. What is this? What? what? There's a a prequel series called Feed the Machine. I don't. I don't understand what. And there's two bonus shows called Tower Transmissions and Solar Sky. What is all? I don't. Uh, uh, who knows? Maybe you'll be able to understand it better than I. Go to Patreon.com/slash/DarkTides to uh, have a look at all that little business. Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. You know, it's gonna be a good time. Anyway, bye. This is probably the last time I'm ever gonna be here. Bye. It's 
been barely 24 hours, Alistair, since you uh, arrived back in London, but you are on the ferry heading back to the archipelago. There is no actual um, airport there. You can't fly in. You have to fly to the mainland and take the ferry. Um, But they waited. They held the ferry for you uh, under special request from your dad uh, as a favour. You cross the choppy sea approaching the islands that you know so well, even if you haven't often seen them from this angle. Uh, You can see the many islands reaching out of the sea with their densely forested shores and rocky outcrops. As you begin to weave your way between some of the smaller islands heading for the central island of Hookbar, Uh, You see more fishing boats out than you remember ever seeing. Even as a kid, there seems to be uh, a few smaller fishing boats here and there and more trawlers uh, coming in with catches. Uh, It is uh, in the late afternoon by this point. Uh, You have basically been up for 24 hours straight. Trying to sleep on the plane was useless. Uh, Your mind filled with questions and ideas and fears and no answers. Uh, McAllister stands next to you at the rails in his uh, usual attire, his uh, sheepskin heavy coat, his mutton chops flapping in the breeze. Uh, He has been extremely quiet as well. And as you begin to enter the bay of Port Staples... Uh, You can see the docks, you can see people milling around, and it seems busier. There seems to be more foot traffic, more boats in the harbour. Some of the factories that had been shut down and derelict seems to be uh, in the midst of reconstruction as you get there. Uh, And as the ferry pulls in, you can see uh, two figures standing at the end of the dock waving. Uh, You can see your father and you can see Marv. Now, there is a moment of shock as you wonder uh, which is which, almost, for a second, as you, re- <laughs> as you realize that your father uh, is wearing sandals and cargo shorts and a very stained white T-shirt. Dad? Uh, he's waving to you with enthusiasm, but he also looks like a broken man. <laughs> Marv is exactly the same. Marv is like full arm and shoulder waving, calling to you. He's got flowers for you or something. Aw, thanks, Marv. Um, they, the ferry pulls in and they begin um, anchoring or tying off, whichever. Aubrey doesn't know sea terms. McAllister goes to get the bags and he says, he goes, are you all right? This is weird. Like, I- this is not how I thought. He would, and being back and like I've I've been I've been thinking about this every day for two years, but this is. Hmm. It's tricky. I, I, yeah, it's weird. I, I, Look, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dwell too much on it. In my experience, these things happen, usually with. Little to no explanation. And yeah. at a certain point, you get used to it. Yeah. I, I, I guess I just thought that I, I'd, I'd have done more or I'd have, I'd have 
found him sooner, or I, I didn't expect him to just if, if be I'm, here. If I'm honest, I would have liked to have done something too. Yeah. That boy did a lot for all of us. But we should just be happy that he's back. If he really is back. Yeah. This all seems very topsy-turvy to me. Yeah, you can say that again. And you can kind of see that Alistair was kind of looking the most healthy and well-rested that he has in a very long time back in London. Um, and in the course of 24 hours, all of that has been reversed. <laughs> like, he's not slept. He looks emotionally drained. His hair is oily and a mess. He's got bags under his eyes again. Like, <laughs> it was short-lived. The salad definitely sat on the desk. Yep. And is still there. All right, you disembark. Uh, Marv is, like, waiting at the end of the gangplank, arms open. So Marv! Hey, there he is. Marv! You didn't get very much taller, I have to say, Ali. Wow, thanks, Marv. But your hair's nice. Are these nice. for me? Uh, yes, these are for you. He was giving them to McAllister. <laughs> <laughs> he slowly brings them over to Alistair. No, no, I just I just forgot they were here. Also, I have some questions about your cat. Um, no, all right. Look, where, I've been emailing she, you, okay? but you never respond. Uh, well, yes. You've been emailing me? Uh, yes, at your blog, is that... Uh, oh, Marv, no, I shut that down. No. Oh, that my, does make sense as to why I kept getting that error message. Uh, anyway, yeah. we'll talk about the cat I'll later. Give you, I'll give you my, my email. Uh, that would be good. That would be good. Uh, anyway, I won't hog you. Uh, and your dad steps up. Hey, Dad. Up. Hi, Ali. You... Good to see you. He gives you a, a fairly uh, restrained, formal hug. With a lot of patting, <laughs> it, it it is good. It's good to see you. Ali. Alistair resists it less than you might expect. He goes, "It's good to see you too, Dad." I wasn't expecting um, the visit. It was very short notice. Uh, I'll, I'll have to uh, clean up a bit. Um, that, no, that's fine. I, I, le I left your room the way it was. It didn't turn into like an exercise room or anything. Um, that's good. I, look, I wasn't. Expect I haven't been exercising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, good trip. Um, do you fly well? The car's over here. He kind of takes your bag and starts walking you. Is it my car? Yes. Yes, it is your car. Oh, thanks, Dad. And Alistair walks up and sees his beautiful gunmetal grey Honda Civic with its orange door. Uh, now, I probably should have told you, um, I have been driving it. Dad, because... what have you done? No, 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 nothing. I just don't have my car anymore. So Why, why not? Well, the... to your car, Dad? You well, loved that thing. The car was like one of those lease things that came with the job. and um... Oh, no. Well, look, I thought, you know, I'm not going to buy a new car when this is here. And I didn't... I was going to buy you a new car when you, if you came home. Yeah, I didn't give much. I hope you don't mind. I didn't, I didn't ask. Uh, no, I don't. Mind. I've been looking after it. He he's like shoving uh, takeaway wrappers and stuff under the seats. It's fine, Dad. It's fine. Look, um, so where are you going? You didn't really give any details. Uh, you remember Ernest? Yes, bomber cap boy. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? You said that he uh, he went missing. Yeah. Really, I'm pretty sure we talked about him taking some kind of scholarship for Kenya. 
Am I thinking of someone else? No, I. Uh, no, I. I said that. Um, I don't remember if that was a joke. Anyway, so he's back. Yeah. Well, that's good. That sounds really good. Yeah. Friends are important, Ali. You only really know who your friends are when they don't sell you out to your political rivals and you know take a different job. Mm. I feel like there's a lot behind that, Dad. But I look. We can catch up later. I'll be here for a while. Yeah, so. you know, I'll, I'll make you dinner. Thanks, Dad. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get going. Uh, as your dad drives you through the main street and uh, up the mountain, you realise that a number of the shops that have been closed for as long as you can remember are um, now open. They are. There's a new cafe. There's a new clothing store. Uh, there's even a chain Mexican restaurant here. Uh, Guzman? <laughs> Guzman has come to the Archipelago? <laughs> uh, your dad points out the one and goes, actually, that one's very good. I've been enjoying... Um, they make good tacos. What? Did you know tacos were a thing? I didn't know tacos I, were a thing. I did know tacos were a thing. Yeah, they're good. We should get some tacos. Anyway, another time. Um, the impression you get driving this... through is that a lot's changed in, in the two years you've been away. There seems to actually have been... A little bit of revitalization. Some of the roads that have been terrible for as long as you can remember have been uh, fixed. There are new people, people you don't recognize, in fact, on the main street. Not many, but there's a few faces that you don't know. Dad, this is... This is different. Yeah, I know. The place is going to hell, right? It looks great. Well, these freeloaders. But <laughs> Well, they're not really freeloaders. I guess they're tourists or... Dad, that pothole hasn't been filled for like 15 years. Yeah, well... And we'll we have Guzman now. Look, Ali, you know, easy come, easy go, things change. Doesn't mean that it's better. Doesn't mean, you know, that the new administration's doing a great job or anything. It's just stuff is in flux, I guess. I was in flux when I was... Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I'm... Um... I'm sorry, I got voted out. But anyway, anyway, you um, you tell me, tell me about your study. You said that you were doing a lot of traveling in Europe. That sounds very fancy. Yeah, uh, I was in I was in Bruges the other week and uh, uh, London, Italy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Belgium, actually, Dad. Yeah. Aren't they pretty close? There's like they share a border or something. make your way up the mountain a little out of town and you begin to pass through familiar trees here everything is exactly as it was the tall tall pine trees the dense undergrowth uh the winding roads uh you wind down the window to let the cool air brush through your hair and you, uh you can smell earth fresh after rain you can smell uh pine needles and the fumes from your own car and there's just <laughs> a set that. there's a feeling of being home uh, bittersweet as it is and you pull into uh, the park rangers station car park nothing much has changed here either you can see that the cabins have been painted uh, again and uh, you can see brett uh, is leading a group a small group of tourists uh, and he kind of recognizing the car he gives a wave and as you step out, you can see that there is uh, a police squad car here. And your dad kind of drops off and goes, so um, I guess I'll 
pick you up. You'll give me a, a call. Yeah, yeah, I'll call you. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Great. Tacos it is for dinner. Sounds great. Alistair uh, nods his dad and then quickly gets out of the car. And then as he shuts the door and turns, he kind of pauses again as that, you know, like when you walk into like a new house or somewhere you've never been and that wash of, wow, this is weird, mixed with a lot of emotions just, whew, and the 24 hours without sleep kind of reminds him that he hasn't had any sleep and then, all right, gathers himself and walks forward. Uh, as you walk through the car park, you can't help but remember um, the things that happened here, the broken front doors where you and Ernest um, discovered Chief Ranger Lester controlled by Mother. Um, you, Looking at the squad car, you can't help but remember uh, Randy hauling Ernest uh, to the ground and handcuffing him uh, and the fight that took place in the car park where you basically kneecapped a man. Uh, you are heading for the cabins behind uh, the ranger station itself. Uh, and as you do so, you can see Bernie is sitting on the uh, the railing outside one of the little porches. Um, and it's a surprise because you haven't seen him in a while and he has grown a fairly short but well-trimmed beard, which is a good look for him. Uh and he, he waves to you and walks to meet you. He looks much the same as ever, a little older. Uh, you can see that there are some flecks of grey in his beard, actually, even though he's probably only in his mid to late 20s now. Uh, he gives you a hug and says, Ali, it is good to see you. Bernie, it's, it's good to see you hey, too. did you get taller? I'm not sure about the hair. I think uh, the, the green was good. Yeah, I I don't know. I might have to redye it. He kind of ruffles your hair and goes, I'm just dragging on you. Come on. Um, before we go in, just... Uh, Is he okay? Well, he seems okay, but I don't know what happened to him. I'm not sure that he knows exactly what happened to him. It's weird. Wow. Look, now, he looks kind of like hell, but I think he's okay. Don't just treat him like you normally would. Look, there's a lot. Of, I mean, be a challenge, but yeah. Well, you know. I mean, the last time I saw him, he, he tased me in the back of the neck. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all did some things we regret. Um, it was a, it was a very stressful period. Uh, anyway, my point is just uh, go easy and maybe don't ask too many questions. There'll be time. And that's that's the real blessing here, Ali. Is we've we've got time, for once. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I won't oh. crowd you guys. I'll let you guys chat. Uh, and he knocks Thanks. on the door before opening it. As you step through, this is Ernest's cabin, um, which you had only been to once or twice in the time that he was here, as you would normally be. Off doing what colour did together. it end up being? Every colour. <laughs> oh, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's now been painted again, just white. Yep. Like, um, uh, as you step in, you see it's a small room. It's fairly tidy. Uh, there is a little lounge um, and a small table with a couple of chairs, a little kitchenette. Uh, there's a bedroom out the back, and you can see Nancy is sitting at one of the chairs. Gina is there as well, um, and you find... Ernest Marsh. Alistair sees Ernest sitting on his bed, 
kind of half talking to, to Nancy and Gina. Ernest looks very windswept and tanned and his skin is a lot darker than it was and his hair, his sandy blonde hair runs down to the middle of his back. And on his face, his face that is, yeah, again, dark and worn, is a beard that runs down to basically his ribs. This big, like, unkept beard. He's sitting in his Sunday bests that you would see him wearing when he wasn't on work, which is a pair of blue jeans, skinny blue jeans, and a white button shirt. And he is sitting on his bed and turns when he hears the door open. He smiles quite widely and says, Alistair, there's a Mexican restaurant. Ernest. Uh, How is this the first time hearing about this? Yeah. First time for me too, I guess. Uh, So you're alive? Ernest gets up off the, the bed and kind of spreads his arms and looks at himself like, barely. That's ne- that's good. Never been this thin, but you know. Or tan. Ah, uh, I got lost once. Got lost for a week. I got pre-tanned then. Yeah. It's very sunburned as well. My parents were mad. Alice is going to give you a hug. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ernest hugs him back and squeezes him really tight and says, Hey, buddy. Hey. What happened to the hair? Ah, uh, you know, dying it, it's a lot of effort. <laughs> pulls back from the hug a little bit. It's like, yeah, I know. Hair maintenance is just such a, such a hard thing to do. I've been traveling, all right? Oh, you've been traveling. <laughs> turns around and like, looks around the room a little bit and points out so like I have been walking for two years <laughs> traveling <laughs> sorry you did, you, he's going to um, move to a table pick up a one of those like two liter things of water and is just drinking it while making eye t- contact with you brings it down and is like chewing on apple is just like man eating and drinking is such a pain it's so good. It's so good. I have so many questions, and I'm not going to ask them all because we've. You're here, and you know we'll. But I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> drops the the water bottle onto the table, and I was like, and I have questions too. How many zippers are on those pants? What is this? And I, you're sorry. What are you? I, I what are you sorry for? Uh, at this point, uh, Gina kind of taps Nancy on the shoulder and goes, uh, we're just going to step out for a second. Um, and the two of them discreetly leave. Oh, uh, bye guys. Be back in a minute. Okay. I couldn't find you. I, in ev- every, I mean, I, I haven't been walking, but you know, I've been, been busy, uh, but it, in every spare minute I could find, I was researching. I was I was trying to find history of other people who'd gone missing, of where the cube went to. I've been trying to f- research about Elios. I, I've tried everything to f- figure out what happened to you and Dr. Pike, and I 
I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just, every time I would run into a wall or something or some witness wouldn't talk to me or something would get in the way and I tried so hard to figure out what happened to you and I'm sorry that I couldn't find you sooner. While you're talking, Ernest is kind of moving you towards the lounge and is going to sit you down on it, walk over to the table with all the water, bringing the bottle of water with him, putting it on the ground, and is going to move a chair over and sit directly in front of you and sits down and faces you directly. Once Alistair kind of trails off all that, he's like, and they're not zips, okay, they're straps. It's cool, okay? Fashion has changed so much in the two years I was away. They have straps in Bruges! <laughs> That's in Italy, right? <laughs> and just crosses his arms and is like, Alistair Stone, Ali, um, let me, let, me, let me paint you a little, little picture here. I've been walking through a desert for two years with a very strange man for the majority of it. I was on my own for about six months and then I was with a very strange person. He knows you. Well, he knows, he's seen you. Well, We've that's reassuring. Yeah, yeah. His, um, his name is Carrion. And he was the, the bird man that you saw take Winston. Oh. Mm. So you... Wow. Yeah. So he... He was real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was stuck in the desert. So the desert is a place between the layers of reality. And Carrion, he is basically the, the leader of that land. He's in control of that land. Uh, okay. Yep. Yep, I'm following you, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carrion controls that land. He controls who comes and who goes. And with Winston, he decided that he was going to save Winston because Winston forfeited his life, so he took Winston. Yeah, I lived with Winston. My bed was about, it like, shows like half, and, half a foot. I was this far away from him sleeping every, not night. There weren't nights. Then what are you complaining about all the walking for? spend time with him. The walking was great. The walking was a relief after a while. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I saw that. I saw um, the Carrion. I saw him take Winston. And yeah, I, I guess I hoped that he did the same with you. Well, no, he didn't. The cube is something outside of Carrion's control and kind of knowledge. So we're talking about a cosmic being in control of a never-ending desert that doesn't understand really how I got there. And right. you're here beating yourself up, okay, because you couldn't find me. Alistair, what what were you gonna do? What was What was the the you were, you were going to find the cube, you were going to hit it with some gamma rays or something, and bring me back. Like, I was basically walking around with practically a god. I don't know what he is exactly. He did some. He, he's a bird man. He's like Howl's Moving Castle. 
You've seen Howl's Moving Castle. Everyone's seen Howl's Moving Castle. Your, your assumption of my childhood is, uh... You've been on the internet. I don't know. Okay. Big Birdman. Um, who's also... I think he was a magician. I know it's been, it's been two years since I was in pop culture. Um, a being of untold power couldn't really work out what was going on with me and the only reason I was able to come back was because Cheshire took my place oh the changeling yeah Cheshire can pass to and from and because she was able to do that she was able to replace me because I was never supposed to be there but they couldn't just let me go so Cheshire took my place with Winston and I came back here and Winston stayed well, I mean, why wouldn't he? He finally found a world where people weren't calling him mad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess I didn't think of that. And this is going to, like, poke you in the chest and say, Alistair Stunt, you... Now, can sound a bit mean. You do like to make things about you and your fault and your problem. I took the cube from Dagon. I'm going to have a conversation with Dagon about that cube. But I took that cube. I kept that cube. I was the one who went after whatever her name was. What, what was her name? I, I saw her one. Uh, the doctor. Doctor. Pike. That was oh, it. Yeah. Right. Was she? Yeah, she was in there. She went insane. Okay. I tried to talk to her a few times. Didn't I'll work. ask about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I did that. What stage in that is your fault exactly? You didn't set the cube off. You didn't give me the cube. You didn't tell me to go to Pike. What stage of this is your fault? What are you sorry about? I guess I felt like I had to try. Well, that's good. Trying's great. But something I've learnt... And I've learned a lot of things because Carrion was like, hey, let's just do like a spiritual journey thing here when I just wanted to come home is th there are great things that we can do. But left unchecked, they will destroy us. There is a thing that I met, and he's going to do brackets, the little bunny ears, in the desert. A creature, a monster, basically made up of heaps of different parts of human bodies. That sounds delightful. Yeah, it was great. And yeah. he was all withered up because he'd been in the sand for like decades. He was so set on whatever it is he wanted to do. I don't know, I wasn't able to glean that much. That he was willing to destroy so much to get what he wanted, to get what he loved out of love. He did horrendous things to do a good thing, to find the thing he loves. And I've done the same thing. I've done dumb shit to do a good thing, as far as I was concerned, to, to right or wrong and to do a good thing. But when you take things too far, they destroy other things. And yet trying, Alistair, that's great. Try, keep trying. And he's going to like slug some water and put it back down. But at what point 
is it not a good thing for you to do? To try, Alistair. I'm sure you've been doing some great things in however long it's been, two years. I'm sure you've done some amazing stuff. But if I was dead, how, lo how much longer would you keep trying? And how much longer until that would just destroy you? Yeah, you know, if I really think about it and if I'm honest with myself and you, I think I knew that I couldn't bring you back. But that wasn't a nice thought because I wanted to bring you back. And I thought maybe if I tried hard enough, I could bring you back. I think I, I think I knew that. that if you were out there somewhere, which clearly you were, which is great, by the way, that um, I probably didn't have the power to, to do it. But I guess running from that was a lot more convenient than facing it. And I know it's not, it wasn't great. The fact that basically everything that happened with Kai happened again. And that probably is the reason, because you had a chance of being able to fix it, that you held on to it. But once again, Alistair, it's a good thing wanting to save your friend. But in 15 years, what would they have looked like? Yeah, it would have been the same as last time. That took me 15 years to get over, nearly. <laughs> I was going to sit back looking extremely tired <laughs> after having this chat. I was like, hmm. <laughs> gonna start drinking water again. Finish off the war bombs. I, oh, man, war is good. Uh, it's it's good to see you. Yeah, he's gonna like brush his hand through the beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know this. He gestures to you and like indicating everything you've just lectured him on. <laughs> this is the reason why I wanted to find you. So I could yell at you? Tell you off? You got your dad for that. Yeah, but, you know, he... Oh, no, you don't have he your does dad his, for that. He does his best. Uh, yeah. He wears sandals now. Oh, God. I know. I don't need to see your dad in sandals. I don't need to you see don't. your dad's feet. I didn't want to see my dad's feet. I never have. I've known him for 21 years. <laughs> when we go swimming together, he wears shoes. He wears, he wears like, <laughs> ocean shoes. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that is safer. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. He wears sandals now, Ernest. The world has been turned upside down. It has. Ernest brushes his hands through his hair. It's like, Winston was interesting. Very yeah, interesting. I bet he was. Very different to how you described him. He uh, spent most of his time making sandcastles. Yeah, no, I can imagine that. Okay, maybe he was the same. I mean, he was clearly pretty insane when I met him, but... Probably not as insane as he appeared. Oh, he was the sanest thing I encountered in two years. So, Yeah. Also, I think I'm in the body of a changeling now. I don't know how that works. Wait, what?
Thank you.